is Notorious P.O.D. The name's John Bass on this M.I.C. I brought a couple man alongside of me. I got Gary Roy Smith in the place to boot. We got murder stats and guests galore. You know we're talking real hip-hop folklore. And we're gonna cover all the goddamn classics. Notorious P.O.D. We're gonna smash it. Peace! Hello world and welcome to Notorious P.O.D. I am your host, John Bass. This week, I am joined by Dat Young Miller. What's up? What's up? What's up? How you doing, bro? You good? I'm good. How you doing, man? I'm, I'm very good. I'm very good. We were just talking before we started recording about coronavirus. Sweet, sweeping the world at the moment, so we're just trying to keep our heads down uh, and stay safe. That's the plan, right? Oh, yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. I'm, I'm, I'm in a... Uh quarantining myself i'm just trying to say me and my kid <laughs> exactly just self-isolate keep yourself keep yourself tucked away and everything will be good bro good stuff well look um thank you very much for sparing me the time um i think what would be the best thing is for uh, you to give a little bit of an introduction to the audience tell them about yourself um so people can kind of understand a bit more about um what you're doing and where they can hear your music and all that stuff so um yeah tell us a little bit about yourself bro all right like like you said, my name is Dad Young Miller. I'm born and raised in Pensacola, Florida. I'm an uh, Army vet. Uh, I'm a professional photographer. Um, and my latest project is a hip-hop album called The Conscious Soul. You know, that's me yeah. in a nutshell. Yes, yeah, so I've been looking into your research in, um, before, obviously, uh, this this kind of call. And, uh, yeah, you've, you've done some cool stuff, man, some interesting perspective, and I think that comes across well in your music. I've been listening to the, the most recent project. Um, it's available on Spotify. It's available SoundCloud as well, right? Uh, yes, and uh, Apple Music. Exactly. So if people want to check that out, um, obviously get over there. We'll, we put all the links and stuff uh, on the tweets and on the Instagram and, and on the link to the podcast and stuff. So yeah, make sure you check that out. Some some really interesting stuff. Um, and before we get into um, the reason that you're on the pod, which is to talk about Outcast AT Aliens, um, we always ask a couple of questions um, of our guests. So the first one um, is, if you were a boxer, what would your boxing entrance music be? Oh... Boxing entrance music got to be something like hype, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's your blood going. So for me, it'd probably be like an old Lil John song, like uh, um, what was it? If you don't give a damn, we'll give a yeah. That one, I think that <laughs> one used to get me get me turned up a lot. So if I was a boxer, yeah. I had to come out to that one. Like I just don't care today. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I think anything kind of like Little John is is always going to get you hype, going to get you in the mood for some some rowdiness. So I think that's right. it's a pretty good choice. <laughs> pretty good choice. Um, the other question we always ask is, you can have one album for the rest of your life. Um, so basically, all other music disappears, and you can only listen to this one album for the rest of time. Which which one would you pick? It, it doesn't have to be the one we talk about today. It doesn't have to be the one we talk about today. Oh, serious? Okay. This is my favorite album ever. <laughs> Okay, so well, look. So on that note, it's a pretty pretty good way to start. Um, you, you've come on to talk about AT Aliens by Outcast, which, so full disclosure, right? I've always I've always respected Outcast. I've always actually liked tracks from this album, Elevators, for, for example. But I never really listened to this album that much. Um, I don't know why particularly, but it just was never really on my radar that much. So when you suggested to do this this uh, album i was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna re-explore it. And do you know what? I've really found a new love for it, man. It is incredible 
in in so many ways uh it is fantastic and i'm really really glad that you picked this because i wouldn't have picked it myself so I'm, I'm delighted that you picked it but um just just tell me like very quickly kind of what your early memories of it and, and when you first came across the album for me i was um like fifth grade maybe sixth grade when it came out and um i wasn't really allowed to listen to rap except for when I was with my parents, uh, my mom and my stepdad. My stepdad was a big hip-hop head, but she didn't like his hip-hop because he liked listening to Tupac and Master P. That was just too <laughs> too hardcore for her. Gangster, yeah. <laughs> so the compromise was Outkast. So <laughs> so when this album came out, you know, when we was going anywhere and they had to listen, that was, this was what was on. So for me, it was just one of the things, like, I could sing along and my mom not going to get me like I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> which is mad because some of the some of the content of this album is is not particularly kind of family friendly but right. i but she liked I, the I, radio the radio songs so, yeah, the radio edits so, yeah oh nice man so yeah so this gives you kind of uh, i guess fond memories of of kind of growing up as, as a kid and listening to and listen to the album with with the family which is kind of a nice a nice memory but um yeah i, I guess this is one of those albums that I think you're right. I think it becomes more accessible to the ear because it doesn't sound so like gangster influenced. Um, the, the musicality on this album is, is like it's really creative, isn't it? So I think right. I understand the kind of logic behind this. This is an album and, and musically it must have been like quite interesting when you how old were you when this came out? Uh, 12 13 yeah so i guess you're at that age where it kind of really influenced your ear right because right. i listen to your music i can completely understand your influence from outcast like i can really hear that creativity in in your sound so i i guess i mean it's a kind of an obvious thing to say i guess they influenced you a lot in in, in your music right right they did yeah and, and what what is the kind of the major uh, influences that you that you kind of took from them and how did that impact you when you were when you were younger um, so I I like the the, the the funk sound of it. It kind of it reminded me of um, you know the George Clintons and all that stuff. The, the you know that era, and they just it was like a good mix of well I guess you would say the West Coast and East Coast sound. Cause you know how Dr. Dre came out with his his sampling, yeah. but then they're so lyrical like an East Coast rapper with their deliveries and you know how they presented it. It was just a mix. So um. I just I just really loved it the the, the production even though they're they're talking about some serious subjects mm. it was so the energy from the production you wouldn't even you wouldn't even notice it you're not even noticing they're talking about police brutality or you know uh of being accused of rape stuff like that you don't mm. even notice it because the energy is just so good and so you know carefree yeah and I'd say that's kind of like outcasts like generally they're very smart at introducing topics that might be kind of outside of the realms of, of kind of like, you know, music to, to listen to, but they, they kind of present it in a way that's very like friendly to the ear. And I think that's, what's like so brilliant about Outcast in general is they, they manage to create just like great songs and then they're talking yeah. about important subjects. But um, what is your, your kind of like general thoughts on Outcast? Because I mean, for a lot of people, um, they are really highly rated and a lot of people they're under the radar and like uh, it's just an interesting dynamic for me so i wondered what your kind of like general thoughts on them are because i know that you love this album but um you know how, how do they kind of impact on you like generally um to me like like you said a lot to, to a lot of people they're very underrated they're not spoken of when you talk about great duos mm. and um 
But as I got older and I, I kept following them and, you know, reading up on them, I, I just, I learned so much. Like, um, this album was their first time producing. Like, they produce like, major- not the majority of the album, but I want to say three or four songs off the, uh, off the album. Mm. And, and then they're so creative. Like you said, they're very creative. Like, they want to give you something with substance in it, but it's inviting from the production. The production makes you kind of almost want to bounce, like dance a little bit, even though they're talking about some serious subjects. And um, and they had mainstream success without all of the rumor mills and the drama that comes along with it. They just made music and just sold records. Yeah, for sure. Well, you just mentioned there about, um, you know, selling records and commercial success. Um, they had a lot of that. And, and what we normally do to kind of talk about some of the stats and facts is we do a thing called murder stats, where we basically give you a rundown of all the facts and the stats um, from the album so that people can get an overview of that. Um, so we're going to cut to that now. Um, you're about to hear the murder stats for uh, Outcast, AT Aliens, and then we're going to be back to carry on talking about uh, about the album. So stay with us. Peace. Eight Aliens is the second studio album by American hip-hop duo Outkast. It was released on August 27th, 1996 by LaFace Records. From 1995 to 1996, Outkast recorded Eight Aliens in sessions at several Atlanta studios, as well as Chung King Recording Studio and Sound on Sound Recording Studio in New York City. The record features outer space inspired production with outcast and producers organized noise incorporating elements of dub, psychedelic rock and gospel into the compositions. Several songs feature the duo's first attempts at producing music by themselves. AT Aliens debuted at number two on the US Billboard 200 chart and it sold nearly 350,000 copies in its first two weeks of release. The album was very well received by critics upon its release who praised the record's lyrical content. It's been certified double platinum for shipments of 2 million copies in the United States. The album spawned the singles Elevators Me and You, AT Aliens and Jazzy Bell. Since its release, AT Aliens has been listed by several magazines and critics as one of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time. Those were your murder stats. Peace. Okay, they were your murder stats for Outcast AT Aliens. We are here with That Young Miller. What's going on? Shoot. Excited, man. Happy to be here. Well, I appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Um, right. One of, one of the things I really wanted to talk about was, was Outcast's kind of uh, geographical impact. Um, obviously, their impact on the South must have been kind of an incredible thing to, to kind of witness. So I was just kind of interested from your perspective, obviously, you know, being from Florida, um, kind of what it was like. Uh, first of all, kind of like before Outcast, were you kind of conscious of a lack of kind of uh, southern rappers and like did it make a big impact on you when outcast really kind of started breaking breaking the scene and, and and we're kind of doing doing the thing i mean we had southern artists it just wasn't on that mainstream platform yeah. like i think on the mainstream platform at the time we had master p mm. and um uncle luke you know those, those kind of like the radio guys at the time for the south yeah, and then under, underground though you had A Ball, MJG, you had Scarface and the Ghetto Boys, you know. So we had it. It just wasn't on that that mainstream commercial level yet. So when yeah. they came, and they were doing so well, like out the gate, it was it was big. It was like, oh, we're we're finally here. We arrived. Like you know, people people gonna pay us a little attention, but it didn't really work out like that at first. Now now the first album anyway. Yeah, because so. 
because we actually had a question um, from a regular listener, a guy called Connor G. Um, big up Connor. Uh, he basically said, how pivotal in hip-hop history was Three Stacks saying the South got something to say in, in 1995? I think it was it benefited the South as well as Outkast a lot because mm. when he said that, it kind of like, wow, that was a bold statement to say at, uh, was it the Source Awards? I think it was the Source Awards, yeah. Like, in the middle of an East Coast, West Coast <laughs> yeah. rivalry, here come this guy on their first, second album. Hey, the South got something to say. So I think it made people start paying outcast attention. And for them to have that mix, like, even though it's, like, they're very Southern in, in what they, and how they, you know, speak, and even the type of things they talk about in the music when they describe Atlanta. But like I said before, the style of music was like a fast-paced West Coast-type beat. Like It was like Dr. Dre sped up. Yeah. And, you know, and then their delivery is very reminiscent of an East Coast rapper because it's fast, it's on time, you know, so it's not like a Master P who's sometimes not even rhyming or, you know, or Uncle Luke who's just talking about partying. It was real substance in it. So I think he really benefited him saying that because I think it made everybody pay him attention and and he proved them right. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. I've not really thought about that um, in terms of like the sort of mix between the kind of West Coasty instrument. Like, you know, on a chart, it would be more the instrumentals would be closer to the West, I guess, and lyrically, right. lyrically closer to the East. Like, uh, Two Dope Boys is a perfect example of that, I think. Like, the, the, in, yeah. the instrumental is such a like head nod roller. And like you said, if you slowed it down a little bit, That'd be like, you know, perfect West Coast and the delivery is just so punchy and sharp. Um, yeah, I've never really thought about it like that. That's a really good way to sum it up, actually. Um, okay, well, let's um, let's talk about the album in a little, little bit more detail. So this is obviously Outkast's um, second album. What do you think are the main differences for you between this and the first album, Southern Playlistic? So the first album... I think they was kind of going with stereotypical, the trend of what was being rapped about. I feel like it was more gangster music yeah. than the second one. The second one was more aware, more conscious. Like, they, they their topics were different. They were, the first one was kind of like, oh, you beef with me, I handle it, you know, I, ain't, I don't lay down for nobody. The second one's kind of like, oh, let's talk about things going on in society, more or less. So, yeah, that was the big difference for me. And I think now that I'm older and I know how old they were when they released this, it's kind of amazing because their first mm. album dropped, it was only like 17. And then here's their second album, they're only 19, 18, 19. And it's so aware of what's going on around them and can articulate it. Yeah. This is what I find astonishing about the golden era of hip hop. It's like you look at Outkast on this album, they were 19. If you look at Mob Deep on their second album, they were 19. And like the level and the consciousness of what they're talking about and their surroundings was just yeah. frightening, you know? And I think that golden era was just was just incredible for artists being able to really like see their environment and, and express it in a really creative way. So, yeah, it's, it's so true. Like what they achieved artistically on this album from such a young age is, is, is kind of crazy and also kind of now in hindsight shows you why they've gone on to have such amazing careers because they're clearly like incredible artists above above everything very yeah very intelligent is, yeah for sure and i think that with the thing with outcast like this is the thing that i think is interesting is i think it was kind of around even this time where they they took 
kind of more than just the music seriously. I think they started kind of thinking about image and the way that they actually kind of presented themselves and some of the concepts and ideas in here were a bit more than just hip hop. They were, you know, more artistic and, and pushing it forward. So um, really interesting. Um, right. When people talk about their favorite albums, the first thing everyone wants to talk about is is their favorite tracks. Right. Right. So I would love to know. Um, I mean, I've got my list, but I would love to know like your favorite tracks from this album and, and why. Um, of course, two two dope boys. I think everybody gonna kind of like that one is because of they're they being rappers. Like they're very confident, very you know, flexing, stunning. Like yeah, I got bars, and can't nobody out rap me, you know, and still able to tell like a little story in there. Yeah. Um, Jezebel. Um, yeah. more or less, I think. Even though it's a it's a good story and you know the subject was good when I when I originally liked it, the song I was a kid so I didn't really catch that it was more mm-hmm. or less the the beat I loved it I loved it, that instrumental I, I when I first started rapping I I redid it <laughs> for myself yeah. like I loved that beat so much and then um, elevators yeah I like elevators. Yeah, well, we have basically the same list, which is which is pretty interesting. Um, I also had Waylon on there as well. I really, I think, again, the instrumental on there is 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 incredible. I think all those all those tracks just have uh, amazing instrumentals, uh, and that the sound is really like just catches your ear straight away. And that's the thing about re-listening to it. So I, I always liked Elevators. I just thought it was like amazing uh, instrumental and really clever like subtle use of little sound effects you know like there's the little and i think I, i'm pretty sure i think that that andre and big boy produced that one. Oh shit right when they when they first big hits back then you know that they produced i also like the song atl itself yeah. i like that one too yeah yeah true i mean I, I think this is why it's considered a classic is like most of that most of the album is good right so right <laughs> You could kind of pick anything off it and be like, yeah, you know, there's a reasonable argument to why this is uh, this is a good song to pick. But um, yeah, I think those tracks, again, I think there's some real smart elements to to all those tracks. I think uh, Jazzy Bell, it's the storytelling for me that makes it amazing. Um, the beat is incredible too, but yeah, it's very much about um, you know storytelling. Uh, storytelling elements of that. Uh, Two Dope Boys is just a just a banger. It's just a head head nod in the car with the windows down. Um, just a just a tune. And, and Elevators is just it's just really creative to me. I just think it's it's a it's a great record as well. Um, let's let's talk about a bit more about the production on this album. So obviously, this as you mentioned, this was the kind of first album where um, the duo started producing stuff themselves. But but also Organized Noise were um, heavily involved in this album. And I, I do think this album does sound very different to to other, not just hip hop in general, but to other southern artists like you mentioned before. But what, what's your kind of overall view of the production on this album and how they approached it? Um, I love you know uh, organized, you know, it was like it's like they identified who Outkast was, mm. and then because you know they also produced the first album as well, and they kept it going and, and you could tell they grew as well because like you said certain songs like you catch little effects that you probably wouldn't the average listener probably wouldn't even notice that just kind of brings out something that they're saying at the moment you know are taking away certain you know instruments when they're delivering certain lines that just made the, the line just that more more important or crisp so yeah for sure 
Yeah, for sure. I think that's that's the 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 skill of a top producer, right? Is to to understand your artist and and really get the most out of them, right? Um, to, to being able to do that. So yeah, I totally I totally agree with that. O- on that note, I know I know we kind of mentioned the instrumental for Jazzy Bell, but do you have any favorite instrumentals on this album that you particularly just think are incredible? Uh, like I said, for Jazzy Bell one, um, then uh, I like it. Two dope boys in Cadillac, uh, but oh, what's the last track on there? Um, yeah, the the one that's like seven minutes long. Um, I yeah, started, I, was like, I was thinking you were going to say that. Um, I can't think of the name of it right now. Oh, so, that uh, one was dope too. Um, that one was dope as well. Man, I can't believe I can't think of that right now. Uh, Thirteenth floor, grown old. What was it? 13th floor, and then it's yeah, growing up. Yeah, 13th floor. Yeah, that is amazing how you get the, the two tracks molded into one. Yeah, that's great. That's crazy. Cool. Right, well, look, we're going to have another quick break. Then we're going to get into some more questions about the album. Um, want to find out about favorite lyrics on the album. Going to ask you about who's your favorite, um, some other stuff. So we're going to have a quick break, and then we're going to get right back into it. Okay, so we are back um, after a quick break. We're refreshed and ready to go. Got some more questions. Um, so let's let's just let's just jump into this. If you could feature on any track, so like you yourself could just jump on any track on this album, which one would you have picked? On this one, yeah. At this point in my life, it would be Jazz Bell. Yeah, I would. I would. I would want to put my my take on my story that I feel like would fit in with theirs. Definitely. That's, that's cool. And was is that just because you feel like that's where you'd fit best? Like in terms of as from an artist perspective, that's where you'd you'd sit best. Yeah, as far as you know, with my style, I got like storytelling. And um, yeah. I feel like on that one, even though it did storytelling periodically through the whole album. That one was now that I'm older and I, li- I when I listen to it, it's so powerful the message in it. I want to be a part of that, like especially because when they did the song, it was at a time with uh, Mike Tyson had been to prison for being yeah. accused of rape. Tupac had been in prison accused of rape. <laughs> like, yeah, it was it was kind of on point. Yeah, for a message. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, well, let's uh, talking of the kind of like the lyrical content. Obviously, you mentioned the storytelling for for your style there. Um, I'm interested if you've got a favorite lyric or a favorite verse from this album. Uh, I do. Uh, hold on, how did it go? Well, it's the well, it's the M I crooked letter. Ain't no one better. And when I'm on a microphone. And when I'm on a microphone, you best wear you best wear a sweater. Cool, I'm, cause I'm cooler than a polar bear toenails. Oh hell, there he go again talking that shit. Some, some, some. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's Andre, right? Yeah, that was uh, big boy when he first come on. Yeah, uh, big. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Oh, nice man. But yeah, I mean, for me, I I really enjoy uh, Andre's verse on elevators. Um, which I think, to be to be honest, it's so hard uh, to pick verses on this album between the two of them because I think they complement each other so well. 
they and do. the styles are so are so kind of like interesting when they when they kind of interlock with each other it's, it's really difficult but um one of the questions i actually had for you was like do you have a favorite between the two um not really because i mean both of them just give me something different like i said they complement each other well but they just like big boy can be very witty as far as his, how he play off the words but i just love andre's how he expresses his feelings in his stories you know so I, and just any verse he like he really expressed like i feel a certain way about this this you know and you you, you can kind of yeah, understand it. So, I don't know. I I've never even tried to pick between them because, like I said, like my favorite bar comes from Big Boy, and he's just being a he's just in rap mode. I'm a rapper, you know. I'm on this microphone. You might need to get a sweater. No one colder than me, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I find with both of them that they neither of them rhyme in a traditional way but they're they're both of their flows are different to each other so like they they never just like hit on beat with with their bars they always go off into a an unexpected position so you know mm -hmm. from from a listener's perspective you know like sometimes you hear a rapper and he's like blah 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 hat blah 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 cat with them it, it never the, the second like line it always seems to go off into this abstract concept and right. so from the listener's point of view and from their sound it makes you not on edge but you kind of feel excited because you can't predict where the song or where the, the verse is going to go and I, I, I think that they both do that in such a skillful way but they're quite different to each other and um, that I think makes them really unique in hip hop is that they both have a very interesting flow Whereas with a lot of duos, there's either one that outshines the other, or they're both, or they're both, you know, fairly simplistic with their flow, but they're lyrically quite hard, or whatever it might be. But I think that they both give this unique flow, which is unusual for the duo to both have that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. They, yeah, yeah. I mean, now as you pointed out, yeah, I would have never, never even caught that because I guess because I've listened to them so much, I, I, I'm used to it, but. You're right. Like most rappers, it's rap, rap, snare, hat, whichever. Rap, rap, snare, hat, whatever. Them, they might even switch up the delivery yeah. in mid, in mid verse. <laughs> yeah, and that, and that's what I think is is interesting about them generally is their there's their flow, and the way that they write is really unusual to to pretty much anyone else, and that's why I do think that they're either really highly rated. Or really underrated in the same way as like uh, an MF Doom, for example. Some people hate his flow because they don't like the way he doesn't rhyme always, and that mm -hmm. he like bounces around with these weird concepts and these weird ideas. And some people think that that's genius. And I kind of feel like that's the same with Outcast: is that people just either don't like it or don't hear it or don't appreciate it. So you either love it or you just don't get it, basically. Right. Um, which I think is really interesting. But um, okay, let's um, let's let's carry on with some other questions. Um. I want to know what you think this album's impact on, on hip-hop has been, um, which is kind of a broad question, but yeah, just, just kind of how you feel, you know, hip-hop changed after its release and, and what, what the impact was on hip-hop, basically, as a result of this album coming out. Um, I think that it uh, it puts rap in a different, uh, a different light. Artists outside of the South wanted to work with Southern artists. Um, like, over, over history... Most Jay Z album, he finds a, a, a 
a southern gym, like whether it's Rick Ross, UGK, Juvenile. My favorite. Right. He, he, you know, it, it made people like, yo, there's, you know, Southern artists that really can spit. Mm. And I think it paved the way for other Southern lyricists because I don't really feel like we had any real Southern lyricists besides Scarface yeah. at the time. And um, so now you have the Ludacris's, the T.I.'s, that really great storytellers are great, you know, wordsmiths. So I think it, it really altered uh, the path of the South because I feel like they was mainstream, I mean, was trying to paint it as one typical sound, one or two typical sounds. Either you're partying or you're selling dope. Not yeah. anything in between. Yeah. And and that's so so from a like a UK perspective, that's kind of how I saw it, which was that you you had like the, the two so obviously hip hop style in the East, then the West Coast comes along and then there's this like huge commercial su- success from the West. And all all the time there, there's stuff happening in the South. It's just not being accepted to the same like level of either commercial activity or just like consciousness and then kind of like artists like Scarface and Outkast started bringing this level of of kind of credibility to to hip-hop from the south and did pave the way and, and the landscape's massively changed so much so that I'd say now this the south really dominates well certainly has done for the last kind of five to ten years that the hip-hop kind of sound so so yeah, I mean, you can you can maybe trace it all the way back to what Outkast were doing on this album and, and how that really changed the landscape, which is which is incredible from you know essentially two nineteen year olds. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is amazing. But yeah, um, okay. Well, look, we've uh, just got one one uh, one more question for you. Um, so I really want this to be this is your opportunity basically to tell the world not not just the hip hop community but the entire world. Um, you know why they should listen to this album so like you can you can sell this as much as you want but um yeah for, so essentially for people who've never heard this album so they might be listening to this episode out of curiosity why why would you recommend this album why should they go and immediately now go and listen to it it was the um to me the album was the foundation of the outcasts we know today the ones you see in the movies the ones that you might hear their songs on the radio, the bombs over there, all that stuff was cemented on this album. Um, they identified who they were, respectively, as individuals and as a group, and it grew from it. The production is next level, right? You can kind of see young producers now trying to mimic and recreate certain sounds that they may have already used, and and just to get that that that, that fresh feel of the first time it was done is amazing and also just to understand why people always talk so highly of Andre 3000 like how he always comes up in the conversation yeah. about great great lyricists you know because I feel like on this one he kind of displayed like hey I'm a different caliber of artist from the south you know because at the time Big Boy wasn't yes in uh, speaking from feelings he was just really a good wordsmith and a good storyteller Andre kind of introduced feelings into their group, you know. So, like I said, to me, it's my one of my favorite art um, albums. Like I love this album, and like like you said before, it's any song on here can be somebody's favorite, and it's it's it'll be a good argument because they're all great songs. Um, yeah, yeah, well said, well said. I t- I totally agree with you. I think you're right. Um, and like I said, I, I'm so glad that you kind of reintroduced this to my um, mind. Of, of an album to listen to because it's, it's just one of those it's like it's always on a list of 
greatest hip hop albums. I always just like respect it. I'm always just like, yeah, of course it's a classic. Like, and not really embraced it or given it proper time. And over the last couple of weeks, uh, since we kind of like tied everything up and agreed to do the podcast, I've been listening to it nonstop, and I've, I've fallen back in love with it. So, um, thanks, man. I, I really appreciate you um, you pu- pushing this album back into my ears because it is it is great. Oh, definitely. Like, I'm I normally listen to it probably once every few months. Like I find myself popping it back in and taking it for another spin <laughs> yeah and you know what i'm actually thinking that this this album is is gonna get by, by me anyway it's gonna get played a lot in the summer i just feel like it's got such good summer vibes about it right um, so yeah it's, it's good. like it needs sunshine right it's, it's an album from the south it, it needs to be accompanied with <laughs> sunshine right, right. That, that's so that's the plan um we, we've got a listener question there's another regular listener it's my boy at bump and he asks why don't they make um make any music anymore so I had a little bit of digging and there's, there's always like internet rumors that they're working on like projects and working on stuff. And I, I follow them kind of both on social media and they're always doing various different things. But, you know, is there any, have you heard anything? Is there any inside knowledge on, on what they're doing? If we're ever going to get another album? Um, so big boy did an interview a little while ago, a few months ago or so. And he said that, um, is always on the table. Like, he loves working with, you know, Dre, they, they're best friends. They grew up together. Yeah. And, uh, but Andre just recently said that he's not inspired to do music right now. Oh, wow. He's like, there's nothing going on that, that makes him feel like he wants to release music. Even though he still records music from what a producer said. Like, yeah, he got probably like a, a album worth of songs that he's just not going to release because he's just, he, like you say, he just doesn't feel inspired. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I mean, to be fair, though, I kind of admire that because, you know, we get a lot of artists that are putting out music that's below par that I don't think particularly is very from the heart. It's not very soulful. It's very seems very synthetic and manufactured. So, you know, if artists aren't inspired, they're not inspired. And and we shouldn't be kind of pushing them to just make music because we want to hear it because we want to hear them. I want the best best of them. Exactly. Exactly, but look, let's hope he finds some inspiration. There's plenty of mad shit going on in the world that will hopefully um, inspire him. We might we might get another album. Um, okay, well, look, that, that's that's it from the album. Just got a couple of other sort of more general um, hip hop questions for you, if that's cool. Oh yeah. Um, so we do a thing called uh, Five for Five, where we basically ask people to leave us a nice five star review, and in return, what we want to know is their their top five favorite MCs of all time. So it doesn't necessarily have to be who you think's the best. But it's just your personal favorite top five MCs. Oh, okay. Um, no particular order. Like I said, well, yeah. it's not even like who I feel like the best. But these are my favorite MCs. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Tupac. Okay. Um, Ti. Okay. Um, Lil Wayne. Okay. And this is what always get tricky for me because. <laughs> I I I I, 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 I want I always want to say Nas, but then I'm like, well, I kind of like um, Pimp C more. But That's, I love it's your favorites. You know, you can have who you like, but you can only have five. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is the hard thing, but, right? Um, it is. But Nas and then um, Twister. Oh wow! Okay, so you got a couple of like kind of well, East Coast, like Chicago, New York guys in there. So I, it's, it's interesting. Why why Twister? Um, cause Twister's, to be fair, his, even though he raps fast, like a lot of fast rappers, his is very unique to him. Mm. 
Because mm. most fast rappers, at some point, you don't understand them. Yeah. But I don't care how fast Twist is going. I always can clearly understand every word that he's saying. Yeah. And he just makes great music. Like, I love Adrenaline. Like, that's, that's one of my favorite albums by him. Um, yeah. Yeah, I must admit, I, I also really like Twister. Um, and you're right, what you say is a lot of rappers who rap fast and it just becomes a bit of a word like sandwich. You can't really understand anything. But he is, his clarity is is exceptional. Um, so, yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I really like Twister. It's, it's an interesting shout that. Um, and Nas, obviously, uh, one of the greats. Like we, we talk on this podcast quite a bit about like the Mount Rushmore of, of hip hop MCs. Uh, Nas is kind of always in the mix for, for oh, being, yeah. being on there. So, um, yeah, it makes, it, makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, if, you, if you're listening, um, please give us your five star review and leave us your top five favorite MCs so we can, we can hear a bit more about that. Um, all the songs that we talk about, um, we basically put them on a Spotify playlist. So, if you search for the Notorious Podcast Joints, you should find it um we always tweet the link out so if you're looking for it just just find that um thanks very much for listening if you don't follow us already you can follow uh, us on twitter at notorious p underscore o underscore d um instagram it's at the notorious pod um you can follow me on insta and twitter it's the same uh, on both it's at the real john bass um, obviously this podcast is available everywhere you listen to your podcast but if you could leave us your five star reviews we'd really appreciate it um, just just remind everyone where they can follow you bro um, want to make sure people are supporting your music supporting what you're doing um, so where, where can people follow you uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Young Miller Time that's Y-U-N-G M-I-L-L-E-R T-I-M-E it's also the same on Instagram and um, on Facebook uh just look up that young um, that young Miller music, and um, like uh, we said earlier in the podcast, I have a new project out, A Conscious Soul. It's um, on all streaming platforms. That's Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Google, Amazon. Yeah, it's, it's there. I highly recommend it. It's probably one of the best projects I done did as far as the experience, the you know the learning that that came from it, and just. The enjoyment of doing it you know um yeah and so. I, I, can, I can vouch for that i, re- I really enjoyed it um i thought it was again it, it, when summer rolls around it's going to be perfect um i find it really not really nice kind of storytelling as well uh creative on the beats it's just interesting doesn't sound like everything else which is really a big positive for me um so yeah enjoyed it so make sure you're checking that out people um and look thank you so much for sparing us some time if we've got um other stories or anything that's going on to do with anything to do with the south we, we good to hit you up and get your input oh definitely hit me up anytime i appreciate that man thank you so much well look um thanks very much for joining us um we hope to speak to you again soon um that was at aliens um thanks a lot for joining us and get ready for the next episode peace this is notorious pod the name's John Bass on this MIC I brought a couple man alongside of me I got Gary Roy Smith in the place to boot We got murder stats and guests galore You know we're talking real hip-hop folklore And we're gonna cover all the goddamn classics Notorious P.O.D. We're gonna smash it Peace